today I want to share with you my thoughts on a very recent trend that has surprised me and in certain cases even shocked me. And that is um, the trend of big, successful YouTubers, like really the best of the, of the best YouTubers, quitting YouTube, stopping their production of daily, weekly videos, and losing millions and millions and millions of viewers. And in some cases, even customers, people that followed them because of their expertise. And this trend, I think, has very diverse um, reasons. But I would like to discuss some of the reasons that these these YouTubers themselves bring to the table in their farewell videos because I think that there's a message there. There, there are things that, that I can learn that you can learn from what's going on right now on social media, on YouTube, and to a lesser extent also on other video platforms like, like TikTok and uh, Instagram Reels. But before I share my thoughts, I wanted to mention that I had unexpected visitors this past night. Unbeknownst to me, in the middle of the night, something happened in my kitchen. And at first, when I woke up, and I was still a bit drowsy, I didn't sleep that much, for reasons that I maybe get to later on in this episode of The Walk. But after a short night's sleep, I headed to the kitchen, made myself some coffee, sat down, and everything seemed to be as usual. Nothing wrong. The kitchen was a bit of a mess, and it had been for several days. I'd been uh, baking my own bread because I, um, I, I didn't buy a new loaf of bread for the reason that if I buy a loaf of bread, being alone and the only person who eats bread and only once a day because I um, sometimes have a, a warm lunch where I'll make some noodles or something else or a salad um, or because in the morning I don't eat bread but oatmeal instead. So I don't consume a lot of bread and uh, I tend to put the, the loaf of bread in the freezer and just take out the slices that I um, that I'm going to eat and then put them in the toaster. And so yesterday evening, before I went to bed, um, I knew that I, I wanted to eat bread on Monday morning. And <laughs> I decided to make my own bread. I have this big bread machine that I barely ever use because it's such a a big bulky device and I don't really like the type of bread that comes out of it especially if you just uh, use the machine to produce the entire bread it's very good for mixing the dough and then if you transfer the dough to like um, in an oven form or something like that that usually gives a much better result but the bread that comes out of the of the machine itself is always a bit dry it doesn't have much taste and so um, that's why I don't use it that often, but I figured I have some 
some plain flour. I might just make an old-fashioned uh, loaf of bread myself. So I had the machine on the uh, on the kitchen top, and uh, I had put in all the ingredients. Uh, and I did all that right before I went to bed, and I was already tired. I had been cooking quite a bit uh, over the past few days, and so there were more remains of earlier <clears throat> expeditions, kitchen, culinary expeditions, um, and I just didn't have the energy to clean up. Uh, it's been a, a busy week. And so I left everything on the kitchen top, and, um, and so that's why the kitchen was a bit of a mess. So once I had taken the, br- the bread out of the machine, of course I needed uh, to cut it, and I have this big bread knife very sharp and I keep it in a drawer underneath the oven uh, because it's a it's a large drawer and that's where I put all my big utensils that I don't want to mix up with my uh, my cut my regular cutlery and so I opened this uh, this drawer and the first thing that strikes me is that there is this oven glove that I bought a few months ago it's a very thick gray oven glove I think it's from Ikea and it's uh, very well insulated um, because I've, I've burned my hands before trying to take something out of the oven. And the thing was that the, where the thumb used to be right now was all this fluff, all this, this isolation material that is there to shield my hands from the heat of the oven. And it was all over the place. And I saw that around the oven glove there were these little black specks of something and I immediately recognized it and you have guessed it by now mouse droppings a mouse or maybe multiple mice had somehow figured out how to get into that drawer they can't get in there from the front but they probably hopped in from the back of the drawer, which means they are underneath the whole, um, all the, the drawers that form my kitchen top. And they had bitten apart or, or taken apart that oven glove. My guess is to find nesting material. They must have somehow sensed that there is fluffy material on the inside that they could use for a nest. And so the mice droppings, the, 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 the destroyed oven glove uh, was, was all the proof I needed as a kitchen investigator that uh, a major crime had taken place. And my initial reaction was, of course, like probably all of you would react, like, oh, no, oh, you, <laughs> I don't like mice in my kitchen. Now I need to clean out that drawer. And not only that, if they come back, I need to make sure that my kitchen is completely clean. There's no food whatsoever that might attract them and might be an invitation for them to stay. Oh, wow, they redid the the paths, the walking paths here in the woods. That's wonderful. They put a layer of of, uh, grit and that's good because it's been 
it's been raining uh, this night and all the snow is gone. So yesterday it was minus three degrees in the morning. And right now it's 10 degrees Celsius. So we went up uh, so much in temperature and now all the snow and the ice that uh, has melted uh, is, uh, is, is, is um, how do you say that? Drenching the, the paths here. So maybe that's why they put on a new layer of, um, of, uh, of grit, of you know, like stones to absorb the water or at least make it easier to walk. Anyway, so <clears throat> I needed to clean the kitchen, but there was immediately a secondary reaction, and that was the familiar, ain't nobody got time for that. I'll do that later. I, it's Monday morning. It's time for work. I have my schedule. I have goals to meet. I have a job to do. And before I knew it, instead of <clears throat> even cleaning out the the drawer, I was sitting behind my iPad, writing uh, on on the book that I'm uh, that I'm uh, uh, currently uh, making, um, and I also started thinking about uh, a few scripts for an email newsletter and maybe some videos, and I wanted to prepare the podcasts that I'm going to record today. But I then had to stop myself. I was like, what are you doing here? This is, you're putting work over um, your own interest, which is to have a clean house. And I know that having a clean kitchen and in general a clean house is very conducive to my productivity. My ADHD brain very quickly gets distracted if my environment is full of clutter. This is true for my physical environment, so the desk at which I work, and also for my digital environments like the desktop on my computer or on my laptop. So. Everything has to be neatly stored away. And that has a major positive influence on my ability to focus. Otherwise, even if it's just in the corner of my eye, if I see there's too much clutter, um, my brain just gets stimulated too much. And then it, it takes off. Just as what happened that morning. And I think seeing all the clutter in my kitchen overwhelmed me. And instead of triggering a reflex that I had to go and clean up the kitchen, um, it started to spring into action and switched immediately to the thing that has been uh, front of mind for the past week. And that is all the new endeavors um, that I've undertaken uh, when it comes to my media work and my coaching. So <laughs> I had to stop myself and, and say, well, wait a minute. The work can wait. What's actually in, on my calendar right for this week? What have I committed myself to? And then to my own surprise, I noticed that I actually have a recurring calendar item for Monday morning that reserves two hours for cleaning the house, folding the laundry. <laughs> so apparently in the past, this has happened before, and I had totally forgotten about that because I barely ever look at my calendar. 
And so it's actually said you have the Monday morning in your planning available for cleaning. So that was a good reminder that I'd been here before <laughs> and my slightly more enlightened self had told me, had told me, uh, future Father Roderick, it's okay to take two hours to clean the house. So that's what I did. And I thanked my, my uh, Father Roderick in the past, my former self, for that um, <laughs> encouragement to not lose myself in, um, in all these urges to go and work, but to tackle, like I'm hesitating where, in which direction to go. Let me go here, step over these branches. A lot of branches have fallen off the trees because of the wind last night. Um, so the, the urge to get back to work is, uh, is something that will have to wait until this afternoon. And this whole issue with the mice actually reminded me of a, a common trap uh, that I've often fallen into in the past, and that is to follow these impulses like, oh, I need to do stuff. I, I have work to do. I have ideas to follow up on. Hello. But uh, that's, that's just how I'm wired. It doesn't mean that I have to act upon those impulses. I can just let them be, let them sit there, maybe label them. Oh, that's ADHD, Father Roderick. Um, that's okay. <laughs> we'll get to your ideas, but first, things first. And so I took some time to clean the kitchen. Actually, I haven't even finished it yet because I had to put a, a timer on that as well. I've got these um, plastic cubes that I bought last year. And I love how they work. They're these visual timers. If you want to take, like, I have one for, like, one minute, two minutes, or one, three, five, eight minutes, I think. And one for 10, 10 30, an hour or something. Anyway, you, you turn it to the side that, has, that displays the amount of minutes that you want to focus on a certain uh, task and the timer starts running and it warns you with a signal when the time is over. So I use those all the time um, in order to prevent myself from losing track of time, which is, as I've mentioned before, quite a recurring issue that I deal with also related to, uh, to ADHD. So after the timer went off, I knew that I had to stop uh, cleaning the kitchen and I did fold the laundry as well. <laughs> Uh, and that was about the extent of my work this morning. And then I had the same temptation after lunch to immediately dive back into all these ideas that I had this morning and that I woke up to, instead of doing what is part of my Monday routine, or at least what I want to be part of my Monday routine, and that is to go out after lunch on Monday and record an episode of The Walk. My brain was protesting, saying, well... But I don't have any ideas for the walk. What am I going to talk about? Um, I was so distracted by the, um, the nightly visit of the mice and <laughs> by the uh, 
kind of the whole struggle of, of trying to stay on target this morning, that indeed my brain just was too occupied to think about a topic to talk about. And that's when it hit me. Like, it's the same thing. The walk is meant to give you an opportunity to discuss what's going on right now in your life and to try to deal with it. <laughs> and at the same time, you're doing that with your listeners because they might have similar situations in their lives. So I stopped myself again and was like, okay, we are going to record the walk now. A little bit later than I hoped, like half an hour later than I normally schedule. So I, I have lunch at noon and then my calendar tells me to go for a walk at one o'clock. And now it's like I started to record at 1.30. But that's not a problem. I have an hour um, available for you and available for <laughs> my own processing of what's going on here. Now, how does this relate to the topic of the, the YouTubers quitting that I uh, mentioned at the beginning of this walk? Well, one of the common themes in those farewell videos that they recorded and this really seems to be a trend i've seen at least five or six of these big youtubers now and there are probably many more because i also see other people commenting on this trend and they are talking about youtubers that i wasn't even familiar with and one thing that all these youtubers have in common is that they say i want to step out of this machine out of this, this system that constantly pushes me to do more, to work. And, and we, we started this adventure on YouTube, which we loved. They all say they loved it and they loved the interaction with their followers and fans. They loved the work, otherwise they would have never strived so hard to become a full-time professional YouTuber. But then they, they always say, it's still work. It still requires this consistency. And whether I want to or not, I will have to come up with something um, to show. A second thing that a lot of these YouTubers mentioned is the acceleration of the demand when it comes to YouTube. They all started around 10 years ago when it was still relatively easy to stand out, especially if you were consistent and you had a very specific angle, then you could easily amass a very large audience. And since they were um, stepping into this world of media production at an early stage, they had this advantage that I had when I started podcasting and I just didn't have that much competition. And back then, uh, it, it, it was easy to do that and to also uh, make a profit because YouTube was paying these, these uh, producers quite well. But as you know, YouTube has exploded over the past 10 years and so has the demand. And so with much more competition, the, it became more and more um, a challenge to, to game the algorithm to make sure that you are that you remain visible that you remain at the top you see that there is this overall trend in youtube to accelerate the content to make sure that there is optimal retention as they call this 
And retention is uh, something that you're all familiar with. It is how long can you stay focused on uh, content that you're consuming. Like one of the reasons that I even subconsciously uh, started this story with the mice is because I know that that will get your attention much more than if I would just immediately start with spouting my theories about the, the YouTubers. Because it's a story and you, you're like, so who, who was in that kitchen that last night? So that, that's one of the many techniques that you can apply as a content creator to keep people interested. And then after, you can't just spin that out forever and ever, so you need to change again. With, with audio, that is still at a relatively slow pace. With video, it's much harder because the, our, our ability to process visual information is much faster than audio. And so uh, it's very easy to have an editing style, which is called retention editing, which switches camera views, uh, sound, music, lighting, uh, tone of voice every five seconds. One of the biggest, you could say the biggest talents when it comes to, or he's not just a talent, he is a professional YouTuber who mastered this uh, more than anyone else, is Mr. Beast. And I'm sure that you have heard at least of him. Um, and he is uh, the, the, the world's number one YouTuber. And the reason that he is, is that he has studied all these retention techniques. What is keeping people interested? And so the longer people are watching his videos, the more money he makes because advertisers love that retention, love that loyalty. But for many other YouTubers, um, Mr. Beast is, uh, is someone who runs ahead of you so fast that you feel the urge to keep up with him because otherwise you will you will return to, to dust. <laughs> Hence, and, uh, how do you say that biblically? <laughs> you know, I don't even going to try to, to, to say that eloquently, but you will be forgotten. And nobody wants to be forgotten, especially if you have switched careers and you depend on this advertising income to sustain you and your family. But the downside of this whole retention editing, which I'm also aware of and I use it in in various areas of my of my own life when I want to communicate something is also making it harder and harder and harder to produce these videos and to retain there's this constant pressure to go with where YouTube is going to try to keep up with what the f- most successful content creators are doing and then of course the result is burnout creative burnout physical burnout because video production is uh, a very demanding job or even financial burnout where they sometimes have invested all the money they made through YouTube into hiring people to help them with that um, with that job and uh, so in order to pay the helpers you need to produce even more you need to be even more uh, um, on top of the food chain. Otherwise, you will lose the money you need to pay these people. So 
there are, of course, some people that are super successful with that, but also a lot of them that are now burned out, um, and they want to stop. They want, they want out. They want what they do, and what they do very well, to be fun again. And so for uh, a number of these people, uh, the challenge was to find an alternative where they could still use their creativity and their expertise and make some money with it, but without that constant pressure. Um, because otherwise you'll, you'll be forgotten and you lose your, your income. Now, this reminded me of... First of all, I could relate to this so much because I also have been, and to a certain extent, am still part of this race, of this effort to be front of mind, to constantly produce something to stay relevant. And ironically, it was not YouTube, but TikTok that actually helped me realize that that is not even necessary. That if I produce evergreen content, the algorithm, at least when it comes to, you, to TikTok, will bring people back time and again to the content that's already there. And the algorithm does not take into account how often I post. Or if, um, if I always talk about the same topics, what the algorithm needs is quality content that the first batch of people that they send it to will engage with. And so it's much more about the quality of what I post and the quantity of what I post, regardless of what a lot of so-called TikTok experts, and, and this is also true for Instagram, will tell you that you have to post at least three times a day because otherwise the algorithm will forget you. It's absolute nonsense, and I know this from personal experience. YouTube is different. YouTube is much more... Um, much more often, I think, penalizing um, creators that don't show up consistently. Their algorithm is also much less uh, about about uh, redistributing older content. And so a lot of my videos that are on YouTube are never watched. <laughs> if I would have put the same thing on YouTube, at least for now, the algorithm would have unearthed it uh, uh, time and again. But for me, it was a liberation to realize that I didn't have to go with what most TikTokers did and to create a new video every morning. The only reason that I think is valid to encourage someone to post every day is not because of the algorithm, but it's because of the, the training it gives you. The more you do something, the better you will get at it. It's the same with writing. Now that I've started to write every single day, and I don't always consistently write a chapter of a book, or, but I try to write something every single day, even if it's just a Goodreads review. But I want to have words on paper every day. Well, on paper. <laughs> on words uh, that flow from my fingers. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no matter where it goes. And so uh, this habit of writing, even though my writing is not always very good, I train myself to write quickly and to write often. Um, because I know that otherwise I'm the, the perfection paralysis uh, starts to 
um, activate and I won't write anything anymore. Practice makes perfect. And so I, that would, that's the only reason that I write every day. And for TikTokers and YouTubers, I would recommend the same. Only do this because you want to learn. You want to make some progress. But make sure you have the time. This is just like working out. If you want to be healthy, then of course it, it, it really pays off to go out for a walk or a bike ride every single day. But of course not to the detriment of other things that determine your health and that, um, that are necessary in, in your life. Um, but if you make it a choice, and yes, it, it pays off. But don't do it just because that's what the algorithm expects you to do. That is a quick way to burn out. Now, the, um, all these examples also make me think of a story that I read in um, uh, the, the book, The Prosperous Coach. It's one of the coaching methods that I'm currently uh, studying to, um, to, to improve my own coaching abilities. And so uh, one of these stories that are told in the book is about um, uh, a very successful CEO of a company uh, who has made millions, and he's on vacation somewhere, and uh, it's a beautiful environment, and there's this guy uh, fishing in a boat. And it's, it's gorgeous, and he gets into a conversation, and the man in the fishing boat, when asked why he was fishing there, he says, I love this. It's like I'm sitting here in this beautiful nature early in the morning, and I, 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 I catch some fish, and then I can uh, prepare them for my family and then I go out the next day and and I catch some more fish and I, I just love the peace of this profession and and then the CEO is like well you know what you should really improve your gear um, because with this the, the current stuff that you're using you, you're not catching that much uh, there's much better gear available it's, it's going to cost you but that investment will pay off because you will you will catch more fish. And then the fisherman says, well, well why would I do that? I mean, uh, and then he says, well, you know what? If you catch more fish, says the CEO, you will have more money in the bank so you can hire someone to go with you when you're fishing. And that will double your income. And then the fisherman is again reacting like, well, why would I do that? Well, you know, with that extra income, you could buy a bigger boat. And you know, if you're out on the sea, there's this saying, we need a bigger boat. Well, that's true for you too. If you have a bigger boat, you can actually also start to use nets. And that will bring in not just fish, but also uh, crabs and maybe mussels and stuff. And you, you could sell so much and that would make you even more money. And then the fisherman says... But why would I do that? To which the CEO responds, well, then you could not just control the seas, but you could control the market as well. Because then you can hire someone to, while you are fishing, will we'll start publicizing your, your, your fish, market it, um, sell way more, uh, and that will bring in so much more money. And then uh, 
fisherman and says, well, why would I, why would I do that? Well, then, you know, with your personal branding, you could ultimately um, make so much money that you will be able to go on an early retirement. And then the fisherman looks at the CEO and says, so what am I going to do when I retire? After building up this entire fishing business. And then the CEO says, well, you know what? That's, That's fantastic. If you can retire early, let's say 20 years from now, every morning you can go out on the lake here and, and just like catch some fish and, and prepare the fish with your family and, and, and just enjoy life and enjoy nature. And then the next day you could do the same thing and you have not a worry in the world. To which, of course, the fisherman says, but dude, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I think it's a brilliant story that that says so much about why it's so important to be intentional with where you put your time and effort. What good does it do to make more money, to have more followers, to create more videos or podcasts or whatever you're into, if ultimately it will only make your life more miserable? And not only that, I think a lot of us feel this vocation to also help other people um, with what we do we we if you're a parent you want to help your kids if you're a grandparent you want to transmit your values in life to your grandchildren but if you don't give the right example if you don't have your own priorities straight your words are going to mean nothing to them. It's what you do that they will remember. And it's this absolutely true when I think of my own father, for instance, who was so addicted to his work. And, and he was working so extremely hard that even if, you know, on vacation when he didn't have to work, he was completely, he was tired. He didn't want to do much. Um, we, we barely saw him on days that he was working. But for what? He always said, well, it's for you. So you have the, the money to study and it's, I, I, I'm providing for you. And I think a lot of parents are in that mode of thinking. But the result of this example was that I have been for a large portion of my life do, been doing exactly the same. I just kept working and working and working because I felt that I had to, because that way I would be able to help other people, not realizing that by doing that, I was setting a wrong, the wrong example. And many people have told me at times in my life, Father Roderick, slow down. Nobody is waiting for this podcast right now. You don't have to do this. You know, um, Actually, people really want you to take it easier uh, than you're doing right now. They, they, you would do them a favor if you did, and yet, with that whole upbringing where your, your value in life depends on how much you do for the world and for the people around you, uh, for God, then that's the, the better it is. And it's because I see what the results have been in my own life where I've had a burnout after only being in a parish for, for three and a half years. I had a, such a 
severe burnout that I was sick for about a, half a year. I've not been celebrating uh, any masses in the parish for more than six months because I was completely overworked. And then later on, I've had these times where I was on the, on the edge, on the fringe of a, a, a burnout or a creative burnout. And if you're a longtime listener to The Walk, you may remember some of those moments. And you know what I really enjoy right now in this phase of my life? Is that I'm discovering more and more how important it is to to always um, to be first and do secondly. So my value does not depend on my production, on on even not what I do for other people. That is all bonus. God loves me because I am, because he created me. And that's enough for him. There's no other requirement for God to love me. It's just because I am, he loves me. <laughs> this is why God is love. He God is not just a great God because he does so much for us. He is great because he is. And the same is true for us. We're made in his image. And so for us, we are great. We are wonderful. We're lovable just by the simple act of being. And so if God treats me like this, shouldn't I also treat myself more in this way? Shouldn't I be more kind and more patient with myself. And the more I discover that art of, of listening first to... Um, yeah, who am I listening to? It's, I would say it's almost a voice of my conscience that finally reveals it. I've always associated my conscience with pressure. You should do this. Should have, would have, could have. You ought to do this. It's your duty to do this. And I'm starting to think that maybe I was deluding myself. That this inner voice was not, in fact, the voice of my conscience or God's voice. But it was my own voice. (laughs) Uh, The voice of someone who didn't feel loved because he just was. Uh, It's the voice of a a kid who was constantly bullied in school, which had devastating consequences for my feeling of self-worth. And someone who still, despite all the proof of 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 the opposite, somehow still feels that I better be, better be safe than sorry. Better just work hard so that people don't have a reason to reject me. This also has a lot of consequences for the way I want to be a coach and in the way I'm already right now coaching some people and some organizations. And we'll talk a little bit more about that um, in the second part of this walk during the extra mile that I record for my patrons. And if you want to join the community of patrons that support me and help me do my work and you would, uh, would like to listen to these longer premium episodes of The Walk, take a look at patreon.com slash I hope this was inspiring. Uh, 
and I just got mud on these brand new shoes that I'm walking on. I bought new uh, running shoes. Uh, and this is the brand that I've actually always used in the past. Um, and my the food doctor told me, go back to that old brand because those shoes are much better. But So they were brand new when I took them out of the box and now they're already full of mud. Oh, well, <laughs> they're not there. I didn't buy them to be just sitting there looking pretty. <laughs> they're tools. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll talk next week. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Oh, by the way, before I forget, um, every Wednesday, I bring the community together live. And I do that at 6 p.m. Central European time. And so if you want to join me and the community this upcoming Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central European time, that is uh, noon Eastern time and 9 o'clock in the morning if you're on Pacific time, then um, make sure to put that in your calendar. And um, I'm still experimenting with the form, but I really um, love this interaction with the community. So join me this upcoming Wednesday, and maybe, maybe we'll be able to continue our conversation live. Have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless.